How many of you, by show of hands, feel like you are really, really terrible at following Jesus? So, okay, so like last night at the 5.30 service, I asked that same question. And, and I don't know if they're like the sweat hogs of Christianity or what, because like every hand went up. And so I either have a lot of work to do on Saturday night, or you guys are really good. And, and I, maybe, I don't know, I don't know. But, you know, I, I personally, I, I feel really terrible at following Jesus most days. I mean, I want to follow Jesus better. I want to be a better follower. I, I want to, you know, talk more like Jesus and less like Sean. But I fail often. I, I want to look more like Jesus in the way that I act. But I fail often. I, I want to think more like Jesus, but sometimes I fail. Oftentimes I fail. You know, I, I've been a Christian for almost... 40 years. I was baptized at the age of eight and started following Jesus. I grew up in church, and except for about a six-month period of time in college, I've been a pretty faithful follower of Jesus. I just haven't been very good at it. Anybody feel me? Anybody feel the same way? That you know that you're supposed to be doing better, and you want to do better. I mean, you, you really desire to, to be a better Christian, to be a better follower of Jesus, and yet, we stink at it. I know I do. And I may be the only one in the room, but I, I don't think I am. I imagine we all look in the mirror some days and go, what are you doing? You know? It's hard. Being a follower of Jesus isn't easy. And Christianity is not for wimps. It's a challenge. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. Every day, it's a battle. You know, some people say, oh, Christianity is just a crutch. It's a crutch for the weak-minded. A crutch for the weak-willed. Well, I, I think Christianity is a crutch for people who know that they're broken. Who, who are just kind of hobbling through life. Not quite able to get it all figured out on their own. And, and that's why Jesus came. What was to, to change everything. Including the way that we live. Including the way that we act. The, way, the things that we think. The things that we say. And he calls us to be followers. He calls us to be disciples of his. We're just not very good at it most days. We all struggle with something. We may struggle with the things that we say, struggle with the things that we think, struggle with the things that we do. And, and a lot of times we fail to look like Jesus. I said, I know I do. And maybe you're like me. For your sake, I hope not. But I think we're all in the same boat. We're just rowing with different oars. Today we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to continue in our series called This Is Us. And this series is all about the four core values that we have as, as a church. Four things that we value. I, I asked you to think about GFCC as like, kind of like a diamond. Like a, a four-sided, four-faceted diamond. And, and this diamond, this gem that we know and love as GFCC has four facets to it that we, things that we really value. And, and last week we talked about worship and how we as a church value worship. And we, we saw that, you know, worship is not an emotion-filled response. It's not an emotional response to a service or a song, but rather it is an awe-filled response to who God is and what God has done. Today we're going to talk about discipleship and what does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus. 
Next week, we're going to talk about fellowship. Next week is, is Mother's Day, and we're going to talk about fellowship and relationship and the importance of fellowship and relationship as a church family. And then the following week, we're going to talk about stewardship and what is true stewardship. Then we're going to, uh, uh, we'll have Memorial Day, and we'll remember the fallen, uh, those who gave their lives in the service of our country. Um, and then uh, the following week, we're going to start a brand new series called Hashtag Blessed. And what does it mean to truly be blessed? Maybe you've seen people put on social media, you know, hey, I won $50, you know, from a, a raffle or something, hashtag blessed. Um, or, uh, you know, I got a promotion at work, you know, hashtag blessed. Um, but what does it really mean to be blessed in God's kingdom? We're going to start a, start a nine-week study of the Beatitudes uh, starting in June. So that's where we're going over the next few months. Uh, but for today, we're talking about discipleship. And what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to truly follow him? And that's what we're going to talk about for a little bit. Now, before we open up God's word, and there are three little passages of scripture I want to look at to talk about today when it comes to being a disciple. Uh, before we do that, I want to kind of define a disciple according to what the Bible says. So what is a disciple? Now, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. I've told you that before and it hasn't changed. Um, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word for disciple is the word mathetes. It's mathetes. And it literally means a learner, a pupil, or a disciple. A learner, a pupil, or a disciple. But that really doesn't kind of get to the heart of what a disciple really is. Uh, a disciple is, is more than just a student. Uh, a disciple is, is a follower. Uh, um, I want to give you a, 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 a real good working definition of a mathetes. Now, a mathetes was someone who imitated the life and teaching of the master. It's not just someone who sits and learns in a desk. But rather, a, a mathetes is someone who imitates the life of the master. In Jesus' day, a rabbi or a teacher would uh, let people, uh, mathetes, apply to be their disciple so if you wanted to learn from a master if you wanted to learn from a rabbi or a teacher you would have to apply to be their mathetes you would have to apply to be their disciple and if you were chosen then you would go and live with your master and 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 so i, I here's a definition um, if you were a mathetes you would bind yourself to a master or teacher in order to acquire his practical and theoretical knowledge so it's head knowledge and life knowledge. It's, it's living like your master. That's what a disciple is, a mathetes is. Uh, here's another definition. Uh, it was often the custom for the disciples to leave their natural home and move in with their teacher who would provide their food and lodging. The disciple would become his servant and be completely under the teacher's what? Authority. Their goal was to learn all that their teacher knew so that they might become like him in character and later be able to faithfully transmit his teachings to others. So that's what a disciple does, that you imitate your master. You look like your master in character and in the things that you say, think, and do. You look like your master, and then you reproduce. You tell other people, and you pass on their teachings. And so... What does that mean for us as disciples of Jesus? If we are his disciples, modern-day disciples, if we are his modern-day followers, what does that look like for us? What are we supposed to be doing, and how are we supposed to look as modern-day mathetes? 
I want to look at a passage of scripture that talks about discipleship. And it's, it's, it may sound a little strange, but it's Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is known as the Great Commission. This is the, the commission that Jesus gave to his followers, all of his followers, and, and, a, and a, a mission that he's given us as his disciples. So if you brought a Bible, open it up, turn to Matthew 28. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 811 of that Bible, or you can follow along on the GFCC app. Uh, if you haven't downloaded the app yet, go to your app store, whether it's the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, and search for GFCC, and you can download the app and follow along and take notes in your app. So uh, we're at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I just want to read these verses real quick and talk about what they mean for a few minutes. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, how much authority was given to Jesus? All in heaven and on earth. All authority was given to Jesus. So in other words, what Jesus says goes. And this is what he said. Verse 19. Therefore, because all authority has been given to me, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. This happens after he was crucified. He was crucified, he died, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and raised back to life on the third day. He was really dead, and then he was really brought back to life. He was really resurrected. He was really alive. Hundreds of people saw him uh, alive, and they testified to the truth that Jesus was alive. His disciples, their lives were turned upside down and changed and turned all around. Uh, because they saw Jesus alive and they knew he was alive, and they were willing, they held on to that. They, they testified to his resurrection until the day they died. So Jesus was brought back to life. He appeared to his disciples in a place called Galilee, which is on the north side of Israel. And this is what he told them. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And he's, by the way, he's with us all, not just surely. Um, oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I want you to know something about that, the way that is constructed, though. When he says go and make disciples, it's not go somewhere and do this. It's not go to Africa and make disciples in Africa. Go to Uruguay and make disciples in Uruguay. Go to Canada and make disciples in Canada. Uh, that's not what that means. Uh, it literally means wherever you go, make disciples there. Wherever you are going, you should be making disciples. So it's not, okay, I've got to go somewhere and do this. It's wherever you are. Wherever you are going, make disciples there. So when you go home, you should be making disciples in your home. When you go to work, you should be making disciples at work. Teenagers, when you go to school, you should be making disciples at school. And they're like, dude, you don't know my school. Uh, but I know Jesus. And Jesus wants you to make disciples at school. Teenagers. He wants you, employees, to make disciples at work. He wants you, mothers and fathers, to make disciples at home. So wherever you go, wherever you are, be making disciples. Now, how do we do that? We baptize. And we teach. So the first step is baptism. And we'll talk, about more, we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But we baptize people. And then we teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded, the, commanded us to do. That's how we make disciples. We baptize and teach. So that we all look like disciples. Uh, we who are his disciples, we who are his methetes, are to make more methetes. 
We are to make more disciples wherever we go. And surely he is with us always to the very end of the age. That until he comes back, he will be with us. No matter what. So when it comes to what does a disciple actually look like? There's a couple passages in Romans I want to look at real quick. Uh, one is in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And, and this is what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He said, and we know, and we love this first verse, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. People love that verse because it means no matter what I'm going through, no matter what bad things have happened in my life, no matter what bad things may happen in my life, that God is going to take it, turn it around, and work it for good. Even the worst possible circumstances, even the worst possible happenings, God can take it around, take it, turn it around, and make it good. And that's how God works. That is, and God is good, and he can make that happen. But there's more to it than that. There's more to this passage than just God working things out for good. This is what he says, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So God foreknew in, in advance, he knew who would believe in him, who would not believe in him, and he predestined that those who would believe in him would be conformed to the image of his son. Now hold on one second. Predestination is not predetermination. So God did not say in advance, okay, uh, you're going to be saved, and you're going to be saved, and you're going to be saved, but this guy, sorry, not so much. That's not what predestination is. Predestination is, uh, God said, whoever believes in my son will be conformed to his image. So he didn't determine who would be saved, but he predestined that he, their destiny is that whoever puts their faith and trust in Jesus would be predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and that they would be predestined to salvation. That whoever God, uh, whoever chooses to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior puts their faith and trust in him is destined for heaven. That's what that means. So it's not a predetermination. Predetermination is different than predestination. Does that make sense? Make a little more sense? Because sometimes we get confused on that. But one of the things that we are predestined to do is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, that Greek word, I'm going to teach you another Greek word. I've got three more to go. So uh, this is number one. Uh, the, that Greek word that is used in this passage is somewhere fao, somewhere fao. And if you see, you see a word in there, maybe that you've heard of, morph, and, and, and like metamorphosis and, and morph, that's the word for conform, that we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And that word means to be conformed to or receive the same form as. That when we put our faith and trust in Christ and the Holy Spirit fills us, then we are destined to, be, to look more like Jesus. We are destined to look more like Him. So that's the word, samorfao, and it literally means to take on the image of Jesus. That we will be conformed, we will be shaped, we will be transformed and metamorphosized into the image of Jesus. We'll look more like Him. Okay? Now, there's another passage of Scripture that uses the word conform, and that is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And this is what it says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect 
will. And now the word conform there is a different Greek word. It has the same meaning, but it's a different Greek word. And it is the word suskamatizo. Suskamatizo. Can you say sus? Don't even try. Um, but suskamatizo, I can't say it now. Suskamatizo means to conform oneself to another's pattern. So what he's saying is we should be, we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ uh, and not destined to conform to the pattern of the world. So that if you are conformed to the pattern of the world, you are not being conformed to the image of Christ. Your life is going to do one of two things. You are either going to draw people closer to Jesus or you are going to push people away from him. Every single one of us, that is what, our, that is what we do in our lives. We are either drawing people closer to Christ or we are pushing people further away. And so think about your life for just a minute and the people around you. Are you pushing them further away from Jesus or are you drawing them closer to him? If you, are, if you are pushing people away, you may be conformed to the pattern of this world and not being conformed to the image of Christ. And so our job as followers of Jesus is to reject the pattern of the world and to be conformed to the image of Christ so that we would draw people closer to him instead of pushing them away. That all makes sense. All right, we're good. We're tracking. Great. So how do you do this, though? I mean, uh, how do we become disciples of Jesus? And how do we become better disciples of Jesus? I have some suggestions. First of all, uh, if you are not a follower of Jesus yet, if you're not following him yet, if you haven't, you haven't put your trust in Christ yet, uh, your first step is to become a disciple of Jesus, to become a mathetes. And, and how do you do that? It, very simple. You need to believe you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for your sins and that God raised him on the third day. He's the only way to be saved. You need to believe in Jesus. You need to repent, uh, which is simply a, a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It is turning away from sin and, and turning to God for forgiveness. Not that the drums are sinful and the baptistry is holy. It's just the way my hands went. But turn away from sin, turn to God for forgiveness. That's repentance. Some of you are like, yes, the drums are evil. Sorry, not going away. Um, but uh, you need to believe in Jesus. You need to repent from sin. You need to publicly acknowledge your faith by confessing him as Savior and Lord and getting baptized. And, and the way we baptize here is by immersion. And this is the last Greek, we're gonna Greek word I'm going to teach you. It's baptizo. It's the Greek word for baptize or baptism. And it's a word that literally means to plunge, to dip, or to immerse. That's what the word literally means, to plunge, dip, or immerse. There's a Greek word for pouring. There's a Greek word for sprinkling. Neither is ever used when it comes to baptism. When Jesus was baptized, he was immersed. When uh, the Apostle Paul was baptized, he was immersed. When Sean was baptized, I'm not on the same level, don't worry. But uh, when Sean was baptized, I was immersed. And so uh, that's why we baptize by immersion, because that's how they did it in the Bible. That's how they did it back in the book of Acts. They baptized by immersion, so that's why we do that. And so if you've never done that, if you've never been baptized, you need to do that. You need to take that step of faith and, and get baptized. And, and start on this journey of being a disciple, being a fully surrendered, fully devoted, sold out follower of Jesus, a mathetes, a disciple who's going to replicate, your, who, you're going to replicate yourself. You're going to clone yourself. You're going to take other people and turn them into disciples. That's our job. That's our commission to go out and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Christ has commanded us to do. One of the things he's commanded us to do is to get baptized. So if you haven't made that decision yet, we're gonna, we offer an invitation every weekend. 
And if you're not ready to make the decision today, you're like, eh, I don't know, man, in front of all these people, eh, I'm not sure. Come talk to me. I am not scary. I, I promise you, I, I, I'm not scary. If, you, if you're like, man, I'm thinking about getting baptized, just come talk to me. Let's have a conversation about when we can set that up. It doesn't have to be in front of the whole congregation. It can be private. I got baptized on a Tuesday night. You know, if you want to get baptized on a Tuesday night just like me, that'd be great. The important thing is that you do it. And you take that step of faith and that public acknowledgement and say, I identify with Christ and I want him to be my Lord and Savior. So if you have been baptized, okay, and you are a disciple of Jesus, you are following Jesus, then I think you have a, a different next step, a different first step. And that is to join a connection group. Now, our connection groups, are most of them are winding down here. Uh, I think the women's group is still going to meet over the summer, but most of our connection groups are winding down for the summer. Um, and they're going to pick back up in the fall. We're going to have sign-ups in the fall. A connection group is a group of people, about four, maybe f up to 14 people. And what they do is they get together on a weekly or uh, every two weeks or maybe once a month. They get together and they kind of do life together. Uh, a connection group does three things. Uh, the one thing they do is they fellowship. It means they get together, they get to know each other. They help each other grow in faith. So they fellowship together. They study together. They study God's word together. Uh, they study the Bible. Some groups do uh, a Bible study where they actually go through a book of the Bible at a time. Some other groups uh, do our sermon-based groups where they talk about uh, a great sermon that they heard on the weekend here. No? Man, I got I to gotta get going. Um, <clears throat> but they talk about the sermon uh, that, that I preach on the weekend. So they have d deeper discussion questions about the sermons. And some other groups do video series studies where they'll, they'll do a video series by like a guy like Andy Stanley or Craig Rochelle, uh, one of, a study like that. And so we have three different, we have those different kinds of study groups, connection groups, and, and they're re it's really important that you get in a group. And the last thing they do is they serve. They serve together uh, and they, they do service projects or uh, they do fundraisers and things to help other organizations in the community. One of our connection groups uh, provided Easter baskets for Campania Academy down in Cherryville this year. And it's just the ways that they can serve and show people the love of Jesus by serving them. So if you're not in a group yet, you've got to get in a group. And like I said, most of them are winding down for the summer, but we're going to have sign-ups in August for groups to start up again in September. So be looking for that. We'll talk more about it over the next few months, and we want to get you in a group because your life is going to be radically transformed by being in a group with other Christians who are going to help you look more like Jesus and to be a better methetes, to be a better disciple, okay? So uh, your next step, if you're not in a group, is to get in a group. And finally, the last next step you can take is to share your faith with somebody, to share your faith with someone. Now, that sounds scary, uh, and I know it sounds scary. Of, uh, I don't know, I don't, what would I say? Hey, try this. Hey, would you like to go to church with me next weekend? It can be as easy as that. Just say to a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a relative, uh, your parents, your grandparents, your kids, your, uh, your sworn enemy, you know, bring your enemy to church week. That, uh, not next week. Next week is Mother's Day. You know, next week is not bring your, not bring your enemy to work day, church day. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, you need to invite somebody to come to church. Let the church do the heavy lifting of introducing people to Jesus. We can do that. And we do that here all the time. You know, invite somebody to come to church with you. And, and when, they, when they wake up from the fainting by finding out that you actually go to church, um, and just say, yes, I was serious. I was serious. 
I want you to go to church with me. Invite somebody to come to church. Or another way to share your faith is to just share your story. What has Jesus done in your life? What has he done in your life recently? And just say, you know what? Jesus changed my life. And I think he could change your life in the best possible way. You know, share your story with somebody. You know what? You don't know me, but man, I used to be, uh, you know, crazy. I used to be just, you know, living life uh, as a prodigal. I, I was a, a terrible person. And now I'm much less of a terrible person than I used to be. And it's because Jesus changed my life. So share your story. Invite someone to church or share your story. And, and the best way you can do that is pray to God and ask God to give you opportunities to invite people to church and to share your story. Because I'm telling you, that's a prayer that God loves to answer. A prayer that God loves to answer is when we submit and surrender ourselves to him and say, God, give me an opportunity to invite somebody to church this week. And, and you'll be surprised. You, you may be shocked that someone will come up to you and go, what did you do this weekend? And you can say, I went to church. And you're like, really? Where, well, where do you go to church? I go to GFCC. It's a great church in Griffith. And, and the thing is, invite your friends to church because you like coming to church here. At least I hope you do. I mean, you show up every week. So it's either, you know, some kind of weird exercise and like self-loathing of, you know, I got to go to this place I hate again. You know, no, nobody does that. We don't do that. You know, it's, it's I love going to church at GFCC and I want to bring people with me. And if they're going to love it for the same reasons you love it. Because the music rocks. Because the kids programs are great. The sermons are awesome. And not a single amen in the room. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. Um, but no, pe people are going to love it for the same reasons that you love it. Because the fellowship is great and the people are friendly and the, the coffee is good. And, and, you know, and they're going to love it for the same reasons you love it. So invite your friends to come to church. So you got to come check this out. It is totally different. Whatever presuppositions you have about church, whatever preconceived notions you have that church is stuffy or boring or lame or stupid or whatever, you're not going to find that here. You're going you're to have a, the, it's going to be the best hour of your week. It is going to be the best hour of your week. And for a lot of you, if not all of you, it's the best hour of your week. It's the best hour of my week. And I get to do it three times every weekend. And everyone is unique. Everyone is different. And it's awesome. I love this place. And I love you guys. And I love being your pastor. And I, I just, I look forward to this. I mean, I look forward to this every week. And I'm telling you, if you just invite somebody and say, you've got to check this out. They're going to love it too. They're going to love it because it's great. So what does it mean to be a disciple? What does that look like? Uh, the goal of a disciple is not to merely regurgitate information and facts. Anybody can do that. No, the goal of a disciple is to look more like your master. The goal of being a disciple is to look more like your master. And we do that in three ways. And we'll finish up. We do that in three ways. Uh, first thing we do is we look uh, more like our master when we love God and love people. When we love God and love people, we look more like our master because that's what Jesus did. He loved God perfectly and he loved people perfectly. All people. Love your neighbors yourself. Love your family. Love your enemy. When we love God and love people, we look more like our master. Secondly, when we serve people, we look more like our master. Because Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. That Jesus didn't come to be served, he came to serve people. And when we serve people, we look more like our master. Finally, when we forgive people, we look more like our master. Oh, Sean, the sermon was going so well. Then you brought up the, the forgive word. And it's hard. Forgiving people, that's tough. That is hard stuff right there. But if Jesus could forgive the people who were killing him when he prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. If he could forgive the people who were killing him, you can forgive that person in your life who you don't want to forgive. And it's not a matter, I can't forgive them. No, no, no. You don't want to forgive them. And you need to forgive them. If you want to look more like your master, you need to forgive them. And, and here's the thing. It, it, it's so hard to forgive because we think that we have power over them when we hold on to it. We think that we hold all the power and we, we don't let it go. Well, they hurt me and they hurt me deep. They cut me deep and it hurts so bad and I'm going to hold on to this and I'm going to hold on to this grudge and I'm going to hold on to this resentment and I'm going to hold on to this bitterness. And do you know what grudges, bitterness, and resentment turn into? Ugliness. And when you hold on to that so tight and say, I'm not going to give this up and I'm going to hold it over them. And I've got news for you. They don't know. And they don't care. They are bebopping through life like nothing ever happened. They don't even know that they hurt you. If you were to go up to them and say, you really hurt me, they'd be like, really? I, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I didn't even know. They probably don't even know. And yet you're holding on. It's keeping you up at night. It is driving you crazy. It's all you can think about. Can you forgive like your master forgave you. And when you do that, you will look more like Jesus. You will look more like your master. When you love God and love people, when you serve people, and when you forgive people, you will look more like your master. And that's the goal of our lives, to look like our master. If we want to be a methetes, if we want to be a growing disciple, we need to look more like our master. It's not about just regurgitating facts and information. It's looking like our master. That's what it means to be a disciple.